This Wellness Couch podcast is brought to you by The Wellness Breakthrough. Three days and two nights with nine of your favourites from The Wellness Couch all gathering together in Melbourne for one incredible event. We can't wait to see you there. Go to www.thewellnesscouch.com for details. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christoph, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Christoph. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. And today we're without Brett Hill, but we have someone very, very special. I'm really excited for this uh, particular interview because uh, we've been waiting for a long time to get a hold of this man. To, uh, and I'll let Damien introduce him because he's uh, had some really personal experiences with, with this man with regards to with Jackson. And I think this is going to be a very, very exciting podcast. This is going to be one ripper podcast. I've got to tell you, LT, I'm very excited about this, and so much so that you might almost uh, call me a bit of a stalker of you know of this fella. He's done some amazing work. In fact, I read a book many years ago. I was handed a book as Jackson was growing up when he was really little uh, by Steve Bidoff, and it was Raising Boys. And I thought, what a great book. And then. It came to pass that uh, I read this other book called The Making of Men, and I thought, wow, this is an awesome book. I love all the con- all the content. I love the ideas. How fantastic is that? And then our great friends, Lawrence, Kate and Aunt Golay, um, started making a movie, and they were making a movie about um, a young boy, Liam, who'd put on a lot of weight, and he-, and he needed some help. And in this movie, lo and behold, was our very special guest today talking about the psychology of boys and and I think there was actually even more messages to get through that actually didn't even come through the movie, but there was so much more. And then the next piece of serendipity was that this gentleman that we're about to interview went to Jackson's high school when he was a young man um, growing up, and then he was running a father-son camp, which all of the Wellness Guys listeners will know how uh, important that particular event was and how massive that event was for me and Jackson. So. Today, without further ado, I'm going to welcome to the call a doctor who has dedicated his life to the health of young boys and young men and helping them move into, um, I suppose, adulthood. And he's doing an amazing job at it. He lives in, in, the Byron, in Byron Bay. He's living the dream. He's been out for a surf at four o'clock this morning. And I'd like to welcome to the call today, Dr. Anna Rubenstein. Anna, welcome to the call today. Thanks. It's great to be here. Really exciting. And yeah, I'm up for a really good interview and see if we can uh, push a few boundaries, get a few new ideas out there and, and have something really good come out of it. Anna, your, um, your work was motivated by years of practice. And I remember, um, I've, I will not remember, I've heard you say this a number of times and many of our listeners may or may not have actually heard this, but you were in private practice and you noticed some changes in some of the boys. Could you tell us how you got into doing what you're doing today? Yeah, I, I had a uh, medical practice in New South Wales, and one of the things that always really concerned me was that I would see fantastic young boys, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years of age, full of energy and enthusiasm. I'd see them around town, and they were fun, and they would joke, and they wanted to wrestle, and all of that. And then I would see the same boys or their older brothers at 15, 16, 17 years of age, and a lot of them, you know, weren't talking and had their hoodies down over their over their eyes and and I also work in emergency medicine and I'd see some of these teenagers who'd taken drugs or crashed their cars or done disastrous things and and I just couldn't understand how we were giving our kids such a great start and then once they became teenagers it was like well you know which way is my kid going to go am I going to have one of the good kids 
or is my kid going to be a disaster who's basically looking for trouble? And, and it, you know, kind of got going from there and looking into what we could uh, be doing with our teenagers because I actually believe that teenage boys are fantastic and if we can support them really well and create the right environment, they are just, you know, they want to they wanna do amazing things with their lives and it's really about us finding what they need and how we can support them to do that. Mm. It's so true. I mean, I remember going through high school and uh, going through those teenage years, and it's a very pinnacle point of all, each of our lives. And um, I think I got through it unscathed, but you know, I was you know just one of those people that was a bit of a nerd, and I just kind of just went through it. And uh, where I just noticed that there was pathways. You know, you can either go the one way of the drugs and alcohol and the party scene, and then or sometimes just being unknown. But either way, you're still going to have some consequences, and obviously some um, some stuff that goes through it. But uh, with Damien and I, and 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 also Brett, all three of us also you know have sons and. My biggest fear, well, not fear, but it's also one of the things that sits in my mind ever since my kids were born was thinking about, man, what happens, what's going to happen in those teenage years? And that's a, a big fear, I think, for a lot of uh, parents. You know, why is it, Arna, is, it, is that during that year, so during those critical years, you know, 14, 16 years of age, why is it so critical at that time when there's these there's a, it seems to be like a dip in happiness. I think I was, you know, I was just reading your book or I was watching one of your videos where it talked about, you know, we're all really happy when you're young. And all of a sudden there's this point where it just kind of just dies right down and we never ever get back to that state of happiness. Why is that? Yeah, because it's the time when uh, boys are going through the greatest change they'll ever go through, which is they're changing from being boys to young men. And it's almost like they're being born again. And that time has to be managed and supported. And, and if, it, if it is managed and supported well, they can come out of the other side doing really well. But if they're just sort of what we tend to do is ignore them or don't know how to deal with it or they become a problem or all these sorts of things. So we, in fact, end up with a lot of teenagers who are really lost and they have poor self-esteem and they don't know what they want to do with themselves and you know, that they're struggling and they think they're the only ones who are struggling and that every other kid's doing well. And often they really just don't have anybody to talk to. And this is a time when they most need people to talk to. This is a time when they most need to be seen and acknowledged for their individual gifts and talents, which they all have, and supported to really find what they want to do with their lives. And we also have a situation now with technology and marketing and everything like that where there's so much pressure on teenagers that they have to be a certain way or they've got a problem. You know, they've got to look a certain way, they've got to wear certain clothes, they've got to have girlfriends, they've got to, you know, whatever it is, there's just all this pressure from peers and from, from everywhere. And the reality is 90% of teenagers don't fit that standard way that they're told they're supposed to be. And, and we, you know, we need to actually encourage the fact that they're different, there's diversity and they've all got their own unique gifts and talents rather than them believing if they're not like everybody else, then they've got a problem. I know that, well, you know, a couple of things that is going through people's minds that, yeah, I got, you know, I don't have teenage kids yet, but I mean, the you know, the parents that are listening on the show that may have teenage kids, they'll be thinking, yeah, but, you know, I want to talk to my kids, but that's when they shut down. They're just mumbling just one word answers to me. So how do you there's that fine balance of like what the kid want and what you want and how does so are they are you saying that that's actually when they need us the most and that's how we need to find ways to learn to communicate to them yeah and it's a great question that you ask and one of the things i say is that you can't start raising a teenager once they become a teenager 
it actually has to start as early as possible. And I really encourage parents who have young children to do a few core things like, you know, just making sure that you're spending one-on-one time with them and sharing your stories with them about when you were their age and finding things that you love doing together, you know, and also when you have to discipline them, separating the person from the behaviour so that you don't shame them when they muck up and tell them they're hopeless but actually sort of, you know, work it through with them. And, and that by setting that good groundwork, then when they become teenagers, we can maintain our connection with them. But the thing we have to realise is that the way we parent teenagers is very different from the way we parent children. And, and the big thing, especially for fathers, is we need to stop telling our boys how to live their lives. Once they become teenagers, they don't want us to lecture them. They don't want us to tell them what to do. And if we do that, absolutely they're going to shut down. You know, I know my father from the age of 14, and I realised he was just kept on trying to tell me what to do. So basically I just stopped talking to him. You know, we shared information, but I, I just stopped engaging in conversations, which is a real shame. And, and what teenagers really need is they need to be able to hear your stories. They need to be able to hear from you and other men what it was like for you when they were their age. They need to feel safe to ask you questions. And they also need to know that if they muck up and something goes wrong, that they can come and talk to you and they're not going to be shamed and told they're hopeless and useless, but that actually you're going to, you know, you're going to listen to them and, and, and you know, even better relate you know how it was for you and you were that age and where you got in trouble and things that went wrong for you and then together discuss what you're going to do to help them with the particular situation that they find themselves in and and it's you know all of this is very simple on one level but you know it's also quite a significant thing especially for a man because when our children are young it is our role to tell them what to do but that has to change and if we don't shift that once they become teenagers they'll just move away from us these are all great points, Anna, and, uh, and these are points that you make very clearly and in great, I suppose, explanation and depth in your book, uh, The Making of Men, which I loved. And I read from cover to cover a number of times, and, uh, and so is Amber, my wife, and we found it to be an, an excellent instructional kind of approach to understanding how young boys' brains are moving into this young man's sort of life. And I remember you saying at one point that there's nothing more dangerous than a young boy stuck inside a man's body. And it seems that we've got a lot of those, those sort of situations these days where there's, there's, there's grown men that are behaving like young boys. And do you think that that's a problem with society or is it a problem with parenting? Where do you think we've gone wrong there? Look, first of all, it's a major problem. And, and just I'll give a little background, which is in the same way as I talk about how we parent teenagers or young men has to be different from how we parent boys. The reason is because boys and young men are, are actually, you know, they're different and, they're, and their thinking is different. So, you know, a boy, it's all about me. I'm the centre of the universe. I want acknowledgement all the time. I want power. You know, I don't take responsibility for my actions. If something goes wrong, it's always someone else's fault. And I want a mother and I want a mother to look after me. Now, that's fine in a six- to eight-year-old boy. That's what we expect. But, you know, as a healthy man, we need to realise that we're part of a community and our actions impact on other people and that we need to be responsible for what we do and, and that instead of looking for mothering, we're actually looking for a relationship with the feminine. 
and if a boy doesn't go through the shift from boy to healthy man psychology, we end up with men who still think they're the centre of the universe, who still want attention and acknowledgement all the time, who still just want more and more power, and who are still looking for mothering. And, and, and one of the reasons why women love my work is because when we talk about this, all the women go, oh, my God, that's who I married. Uh, you know, they're so – and, you know, it's all of us. I, I know personally that the thing about being a man is I have awareness. You know, I know when I'm acting like a boy. And because I have that awareness, you know, that gives me a choice as to whether that's how I want to continue to be. But I know when I'm looking for attention and acknowledgement. I know when I'm looking for mothering. And my goal is to spend more and more time in in healthy man behaviour and less less time in boy behaviour. But there are implications all the way. In society, if our leaders, if our political leaders are just interested in power and not being responsible for their actions and, you know, making out that the earth is an unlimited resource which we can just take and take from and pollute and abuse and it's always just going to be there, you know, we're going to have a problem. And, and I actually totally believe we have a problem and in many ways we live in a society that's run by boys. And if we keep acting the way we are, there's a real, you know, there's an obvious danger that we're just going to have more and more of these crises that are happening on a global level. And, um, you know, there's a part of me that, I mean, my work is around rites of passage and creating programs for boys to go through the process to become young men. But I also believe the world needs to go through a rite of passage. And, we, and, you know, we need to grow up and be able to look at it sensibly and go, hey, we've got this amazing planet that we live on. When are we actually going to really start looking after it properly and, and living together as genuine communities? Um, so there's some actually some very, there's some bigger uh, implications in all of this work, I believe. Fascinating stuff and just uh, so much power in there. So I'm going to ask you a two-part question here. Um, I'd love to know, I want to dive deep into this rite of passage um, that you're describing here. But also, uh, just before you get there, I'd love to just know the timelines. So you talked about, you know, your teenage years, say, you know, 13 to 16, so that where boys become young men. Is there another transition between young men to actual men? And when would that be? And is that a different type of rite of passage at that point? Yeah. Well, look, we there, there are actually... A rite of passage at its core is a way of the community acknowledging the transition from one stage in life to another stage in life. And and they actually happen at quite a number of different times. So, you know, birth is a rite of passage. You go from being in the the womb to to being a, a young baby. There's another stage that happens around seven years of age when a child sort of moves out of the fantasy world and, and more into a different stage. And, and then there's a, an enormous shift that happens when a, a young boy becomes, or a boy becomes a young man somewhere around 13 to 16. And, and then there's another stage where a man is actually out in society and having to support himself and, and, and getting married. That's a rite of passage. Having a family is a rite of passage. Retiring is a rite of passage. And then the, the final big rite of passage is, in fact, death. And and all of these stages ideally should be marked and celebrated by the community. And and what happens is when we don't do that, people get stuck. So you have boys who – you have men who keep on acting like boys uh, or you, you have older men who instead of, you know, happily passing on power to the next generation and knowledge, try and hold on to it and, in fact, keep the next generation – 
down so that they can, you know, hold on to power themselves. And, and you know, we see all sorts of examples of what happens when we don't go through these stages appropriately. These are great. And, and I have to say one other thing. Yeah, I have to say one other thing. In my medical work, one of the reasons I sold my medical practice to work full-time in, in this work with doing rites of passage with young men is because the deeper I looked into the medical system, like I, I love medicine, I love being a doctor, but I don't like the system. And the system was more about, you know, in the end, more about making money than really doing the best thing I could for people. And that was kind of the way the system was pushing us as doctors. The, the thing with rites of passage that I find is that the deeper I look into it, the more fascinating it gets. It's not just about helping a boy become a young man. It's about helping people find their true passion and purpose in life. It's about helping the community become full of motivated, inspired people who are not only using their gifts and talents in the best way, but are actually functioning as a community. You know, it's about how we can, as a global community, support each other. So the, the, the more I get into it, the, the more fascinated I get. And, and I actually still believe that I'm working as a doctor but instead of working in the system, I'm now working outside the system in, in preventative medicine, which is, you know, what I really enjoy the most. Yeah, you're kind of more at the top of the cliff, aren't you there, Anna? Just um, making sure boys don't fall off the edge. It's fantastic. Anna, I, uh, I managed to jump onto Facebook this morning, which is unlike me, Lawrence will know. I'm very rarely on Facebook. And I, I jumped on today to uh, just see what you'd been writing about. I noticed that part of your programs now also include rites of passage for women. Is a rite of passage for a woman as significant as a rite of passage for a man? Is, is it the same kind of deal or is it... You know, I don't want to sound cheap or nasty here, but is one more important than the other or one should be more significant than the other? No, I would say they're equally as important, but they're slightly different. Okay. But, you know, it is as important to support a girl becoming a young woman as it is to support a boy becoming a young man. And that's why we're not only running father-son camps, but we've now got women who are running mother and daughter camps you know, it's the same thing. We end up with so many girls who don't go through a rite of passage and then in their teens, 20s and 30s, they're still, you know, wanting to be treated like a princess. And, and then we end up with women who, um, you know, are needing acknowledgement and, 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 you know, still wanting to be the most beautiful person in the room. And, 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 and our whole thing around beauty gets mixed up with youth. And instead of, you know, appreciating a woman for her wisdom and, and, and age, yeah. uh, we end up saying, unless you look like a 17-year-old, yeah. there's something wrong with you. Great call. I mean, it's mad. And, and it's not only it doesn't work in the community, it doesn't work for the women themselves. And we only have to look at our fastest growing industry, which is plastic surgery, or one of our fastest growing in industries. And, and, you know, we start to realize that we're, we're living in a crazy world. And that if, you know, if... if, if boys went through a proper acknowledged process and became young men really thinking about their lives and what was important and the relationships they want and, and if we can also support our girls to go and become young women and, and, and tell them that we love them for who they are rather than how they look, yes, we, we could actually have a very different society. And, um, yeah, once again, my, my thing is I want this work to be in the mainstream. I fully believe that every single boy when he turns 13, 14, his community should be creating a celebration to acknowledge the fact that he's becoming a young man. The older men in the community should be sharing their stories with him about 
their, you know, what it was like for them growing up and their life experiences rather than telling him what to do. And, and he should be being acknowledged for his individual gifts and talents, his genius and his spirit. And in a similar way for girls. So we've got we've got a big uh, we've got a big mission in front of us. Well, the, you know, the mission of the rite of passage, I think it's fascinating because, you know, you talk a lot about from the rite of passage from many different cultures um, and, um, and how they've done it. And, uh, you know, oftentimes I would love to hear a little bit about that. And we only got 10 more minutes and it's just fascinating. I wish we had more time. But we'll love to talk about, you know, where you found that. How, how does, um, you know, other societies have done that, civilizations have done that. But how do we in modern society take that on board and how do we as parents, mom and dad, to be able to, uh, to allow that to happen for our kids? Yeah, look, such a great question. And this is what absolutely fascinated me. And it was the reason why I ended up selling my medical practice was because when I started looking into rites of passage, when I first heard about them in the, in the 90s, the mid-90s and looking into them, what I discovered was that every single Indigenous community and society all over the world had always created a rite of passage for their boys and their girls. And they hadn't had a conference and together worked out that it needed to be done. All they had was thousands of generations of people to observe. And they all recognised you have to do something for your boys and your girls once they reach puberty. But the interesting thing was they all worked out the same things. They all created the same elements. So they would always take the children, they would always take the boys away separately as boys or the girls separately as girls and spend some time. That was the first thing. And the elders would go with them and then they would always share the stories of the community and they would use stories as the way of passing on wisdom and knowledge. And then there would always be a challenge. So the boys, you know, in some places they had to kill a wild animal. In other places like Vanuatu they had to jump off a tower with a vine tied around ankle you know all these different challenges which by the way we no longer do so what happens the boys go out and they're creating their own challenges in cars and getting into fights and taking drugs you know their own way of trying to feel like a man which instead of it being you know supported and facilitated by us as elders and then the the other thing they would always do is they would always recognize they fundamentally believe that every single child is is different and unique every single child has their own gifts and talents their own it's their own spirit and it's the role of the elders in the community to recognize that to tell the boy or the girl and then to say that's who we want you to be and then the final thing that would happen is when they came back from their rite of passage there would be a lot more mentoring happening from the elders rather than just from the parents and we can do this today you know we run camps where we take groups of boys with their dads or, or male mentor or girls with their mothers or a female mentor out into the bush and we share stories and we create challenges and we, we honour each of their kids for their individual gifts and talents and then we hopefully mentor them. You know, I mean, Damien mentioned I went for a surf at 4 o'clock this morning. What he didn't tell you is that I actually went with a young man who'd been on one of my camps years ago who keeps in contact with me and who wanted to talk to me about some stuff around his job and his girlfriend and he had a few things he needed to discuss. He couldn't talk about them with his dad or he didn't, you know, for whatever reason. So he could talk to me. And we had a fantastic drive there. We had a brilliant talk. We had a great surf. We had a coffee on the way home. And part of this work is that, you know, I can support your kids, you can support my kids. As a community, we're actually supporting all of our young men and young women to be the best people they are and to have that 
support within the community when they need it. Lawrence, how excited are you right now? Because I'm so excited. I can <laughs> I can put my hand on my heart, and I am right now, saying how incredible these camps actually are. Because this is the father son camp that Jackson and I went on. Now, from a bit of background. Um, Jackson and I have an amazing relationship, I feel, and we've always had a great relationship. And I knew that Jackson was going through some changes and I wanted to best support him. And I also felt that there was a big gap. I felt that in um, in my childhood, um, I had a lot of men that surrounded me to kind of guide me. But ja- And Jackson does have that, but we're all very segmented. And, and iPhones and um, other electronic devices, particularly Blackberries, um, tend to take over people's lives. And uh, we tend to find that you know children are, are, are somewhat disengaged from their parents, and I, I don't mean to do that. And I think I do that. I, I do that less than what I used to. But going to an event like this, it made our relationship even better. Now, the, I know of some boys uh, and men that were that were going on this particular camp who were very nervous and very uh, were going with trepidation. Uh, in fact, some of the boys that were going were very reserved and didn't want to go. They actually didn't want to spend time with their dads. They actually had no interest at all, uh, in fact, disdain for going on this particular camp. But I know, having caught up with some of the dads having who went on this camp, that the relationship with the boy, who is now a young man, has blossomed and that it's closer now than what it ever has been before and issues where they couldn't communicate or where they just sat for hours or moments in silence which might have felt like hours have now totally gone because of this whole process by which the challenges are set, there's listening and understanding and respect for the boys and their process moving into into manhood. So Anna's program, and Anna, your program works beautifully, as I know you know because you continue to do it. Can, we, we did it at Melbourne Grammar, which is where I, Jackson goes to school and where you went to school. Um, are there other programs that people can access very easily? Yeah, there are. Um, through my website, drana.com. So we're running up here in northern New South Wales programs for fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get people coming from all over the country for those. Uh, there are a number of other programs running around the country. The Pathways Foundation is running programs, uh, Meant to Be. Um, yeah, there are some different programs. And actually, on my website, I have a resource page. My, my whole thing is, you know, I certainly can't run programs for all the boys around the country and around the world who need them. But, you know, I really want to support all the different groups who are running these programs. So, as I say, we have a, a resource page there. And the other thing is, I need to tell you, fellas, it's great you're doing this interview. There is something going on with rites of passage at the moment. I've been talking about this stuff for over 25 years. And in the last couple of years, there's been a shift and, and people are asking for it, knowing about it in, in a yeah. way that they never have before. And, and in fact, you know, I'm running leadership training programs and they're filling up um, and we're getting people, I'm getting people coming from all over the country and overseas to do the programs. I'm actually running one, two up here this year, one in Perth, one in Holland. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a really positive shift happening where people are realising and especially with technology coming in, just a little note about there, the technology which is coming in, it's like a tsunami and, and it threatens to eat up kind of everyone. And the only way I believe we can survive and use technology as a tool is if we have a really strong sense of self. If we know who we are and if we know what we're about and we feel supported within a community, 
then we use technology as a tool. And if we don't know that, then technology just becomes, a, you know, something to fill a void and can become, in fact, extremely dangerous. So rites of passage for me become even more important in the face of what's going on. And if there are people out there who are interested in getting involved in this work, who already work with youth, the leadership training programs that we're doing, you know, are really about teaching people how they can use a rite of passage framework in whatever work it is that they're doing. All right. You know, I can see why you were nominated as Australian of the Year, you know, back in the t- 2008. And so it's just fascinating stuff here. I want one last question before we end this podcast. Um, I know if you had to, if you came across a, you know, I'm sure you do that all the time, but if you came across someone who is in their 20s, you know, a boy who might be lost or, um, you know, a young man who might be a bit lost, what would you say to them? Well, first of all, I would spend time with them. I would try and find something that we both enjoy doing and it might be surfing or it might be walking or it might be just talking or it might be, you know, th- there's a million things. But I'd try and find something, some way that we can connect without me grilling him about what he's doing or who I am. Just just actually do something together because for me that's always a really good uh, way of starting. And, and then, you know, I'd sort of try and find out what he's about, what he loves doing and and tell him what I love doing and, you know, see where it goes and, and hopefully getting to the point where, you know, he can share, he can feel safe. I'd also tell him that our conversation is confidential, by the way, so that he knows what he tells me doesn't go anywhere else. And I'd and I, and I tell him what I'm struggling with in my life now. And I'd say, hey, you know, what do you find difficult? What are your challenges? And, and the more we can connect, then the more I can actually work with him. But I have to say, at the moment, I'm feeling there's an epidemic of boys between the ages of 17 or young men between 17 and 25 who are just struggling. You know, they were beautiful boys. We remember that. And now they've just, they're just not doing well. They've spent too much time on the internet or, I don't know, it's, they've got involved with drugs and alcohol or something, and, and they're just sort of struggling along. Now, I've actually decided I'm starting a one-month retreat up here on my land once a year for that age group, 17 to 25, just to, mm. to get them out of, you know, wherever, get them off the internet, off all electronic devices and spend a month in the bush. We'll teach them to surf if that's what they want to do. We'll work out here on the land and we'll have really good talks about, you know, their lives, who they are, what they want to do, what they're struggling with, how we can support them. You know, I think it's a, it's a group that we're currently not dealing with well enough and if we don't put some time into them now, there's a real danger that they, you know, they kind of go nowhere. So that it's a, mm. it's a it's a huge group that's struggling at the moment. I'm just excited. They're to... kind of the first, they're the first wave. Sorry, they are the first wave of kind of victims from the whole technology thing, where instead of spending their teenage years out exploring and playing and you know doing sport. Many of them just spent it in their rooms on their computers. Victims yeah. is a great word. For yeah, I don't totally agree, and I'm really excited that uh, there are people like you to be able to guide and um, you know these these teenagers to in, in the right path because this, like you said, this you know this world c- could be in very very challenging times in 10, 15 years time as these you know quote unquote young men become 
the men um, and uh, as they strive towards you know power and leadership uh, in in this world. So it's uh, it's great to just have guidance from you guys. I hope that you uh, take this on board. Um, I hope that you learn a lot from the, uh, from this particular podcast. Go check out uh, Dr. Arna's uh, website, drarna.com. We'll put these links on our website. Go to well, the wellnesscouch.com and we'll uh, definitely put these links on this particular episode that you can link directly to his programs. And uh, we highly encourage you to uh, consider uh, taking your kids and uh, yourself through these programs and uh, through the Rite of Passage. Guys, also too, uh, go to facebook.com, go to facebook.com slash thewellnessguys and thewellnesscouch. Go check us out there. Uh, leave a comment below this particular episode and tell us what you think. Uh, like us on Facebook while you're there. Share this podcast with your friends and families and other, other strangers you think need a wellness update. Subscribe to us on iTunes and while you're there, leave us a five-star rating and leave a comment on iTunes. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guy Show. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. 2015 marks perhaps the most important event the Wellness Couch has ever conducted. We've had two sold-out wellness summits these last years, but honestly, nothing will come close to our first ever wellness breakthrough. Your favorite Wellness Couch experts, the Up For A Chat girls, Quirky Cookies Joe Whitten, Stu Hayes, Marcus Pierce, and of course the Wellness Guys are all gathering in Danong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough in February. For more information, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.